This is Jane Hardwick Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. episode 23 with Akalita and yeah hope you enjoy this show it's beautiful weaving of conversation and um, awakening and womb consciousness and new story so yeah all right enjoy. welcome to the womancraft podcast uh, we've got the beautiful Akalita with us and really blessed to be joined um, we're in February uh, sorry, January, approaching a full moon. And so just really calling in that energy and big welcome to you. Thanks, Ayla. So grateful to be here and be amongst, you know, some of the other episodes you've done. It's been really beautiful. Yeah, going back over this week as I just um, was speaking to you of and listening to some of those podcasts and really feeling the magic, yeah, of those women's stories touch me again. It's really beautiful. Mm, yeah, I don't, it's really interesting when I hear the stories and even from women that have journeyed many years ago, you know, that medicine of story and just being able to hold that space, it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, well, it just, it, it really speaks, I guess, to what has come through for me from, has been really um, influenced by my time with the school, which is this um, vision of the Amazonian arts and very much like if I had to summarise it in a few words, which I find really difficult most of the time, but um, a new story, you know, it's a new story. And I think having heard so many beautiful, deep stories and rich stories from women over those that year I was journeying with the school um, has definitely helped me bring that through, yeah. Mm. And what year and what year did you journey and start telling us about what it was like coming to your first gathering and what called you to this as well? Yeah, yeah. So I met Jane back in yeah 2011, I think it was at the inaugural um, Seven Sisters Festival down in Melbourne. And at the time I'd been, um, yeah, journeying another year-long journey with um, another group of amazing women on the Blood Mysteries 13 moons. So that was a, a really powerful experience that also possibly led me into doing the, the work with Jane as well. But um, we all arrived there at the Seven Sisters and I remember, yeah, being really called to go to Jane's offering and it was a drum journey into our womb to meet our inner goddess and, 
yeah, have a distinct memory in that time of doing that house cleaning in my womb. And yeah, it was just a really powerful journey with her at that point. And um, it obviously really stayed with me because yeah, I found myself back in 2017. I'm actually doing that year journey with Jane. And yeah, that felt like a thread that connected from that time was really pivotal to that taking place. Did you ever um, do any work or any connection to your womb prior to that journey? Yeah, well, I had, as I said, I'd arrived um, at that festival having done a year-long process or work, again, 13 moons, so a monthly gathering with, um, yeah, in the blood mysteries tradition. So, yeah, at, at that point I had actually been deeply immersed in that tradition, but I had only been involved in women's groups for a few years prior to that and just had such um, a strong awakening into that work that actually was kind of the advent of everything that was coming to be coming to fruition to be the Amazonian art so everything that I feel now has been very much um, come through as my soul work in the world was connected into me stepping into women's work and that began probably yeah about three or four years before I met Jane yeah, yeah. I started, um, I think it really began for me when I, I'd i made a conscious decision to walk away from my um, university studies and just felt like something, you know, it was all looking good on paper. It was all ticking all the boxes. My resume was looking really good and something just was not, you know, right for me and my body. And I couldn't at that point tell you what it was but um I went off and did some Vipassana meditation I took a bit of time for myself and I came out of that and I just decided I was going to let all of that go for the for the time being and really start to follow the feeling and yeah the feeling took me um down to becoming a shiatsu practitioner and it was during that time that I really started to to trust more you know I was becoming more embodied through that practice and working that way and that's, um, yeah, that through that process of becoming more embodied, I started seeking out more embodiment practices. And that's when I started to yeah, get involved in women's circles and had some profound realizations at that point about why, and I knew why, <laughs> why my university time was not fulfilling me in the way that I knew my soul was, yeah, crying out for me to connect, mm. connect to this, um, yeah, this part of me that I had forgotten, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting um, when you just brought up, you know, going into the womb and the cleaning and the clearing and the housekeeping per se. Yeah. Um, I did, yeah, like feeling into that process. I remember the first time I sort of went there and I was just really shocked that I've never connected into that space before. And, yeah. yeah, I was just really curious around, you know, the work that you've done before around, you know, like connecting with the womb in itself and um, just what that's like is the first time, like, you you know, I remember doing a, a drum journey and, and doing that and like going in there and tending to their, that space yeah. and yeah. just that real like, wow, <laughs> this is so powerful and so um, at home. I just felt really at home with that process and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feel it felt so so natural and and something of such incredible disbelief that 
there's so much disconnection around that. Um, yeah, for me, I had like I was probably only had done a little bit of women's work at this point. It was a few years before I met Jane that um, I had just a really profound can dropping into my body as a woman <laughs> and you know I'd been a I started mm. Aikido when I was 18 and this was in my late 20s and I just had yeah complete um disconnection from my body in many ways which was kind of yeah really um humbling to realize because I'm here I am doing this a martial art it's a Japanese martial art that is very much about being in your body to to practice that it's a physical art and Yet at that time, 10 years or so after um, being a practitioner of that, I, I realised that I really didn't know my body very much at all. You know, that's what came through me through the shiatsu and doing the women's work and, yeah, actually dropping in to my body with a womb and my monthly cycle and in a way that I just had never had never experienced prior in a con in, with brought that level of consciousness to it and... I was just kind of dumbstruck that um, we don't, you know, we're not guided to do that. We don't, uh, you know, in terms of our mainstream systems in place and certainly the way I was brought up very much in a beautiful and loving but very much patriarchal um, family and just those things were not part of my, yeah, my learning or education. It wasn't around me in a conscious way and to come in contact with it in your late 20s just feels so you know, I'm so grateful I came in contact with it then. But, um, yeah, it's kind of shocking to realise as a woman that you've you've lost all this time, you know, that you could have, you could have had this, mm. been exploring that relationship earlier. And, yeah, I feel, I think there was a lot of sadness that came for me at that point as well. Hmm. Mm. What pulled you into the Blood Mysteries work when you did that prior to the school's journey? Well, for me, like my background is in, as in um, my my health background is that I have had primary dysmenorrhea, like a really severe form of menstrual pain since I since puberty, and so some of my first um, periods were marked by just passing out and knocking my head on things and being in hospital, and um, yeah, so I had some really full-on introductions to what it was to be a woman and I think that that was really you know that banshee scream in my womb was um clearly <laughs> the, the reason I, I I had to yeah I think that was definitely why I left the university at that point and just went this is not my deepest calling you know my deepest calling is to is to follow that that voice you know that voice inside of me that is screaming for me to understand something deeper about myself mm. and when I was in my mm. yeah probably just starting getting involved in women's circles had done shiatsu for a year or so and um I really distinctly remember it because it was a really profound moment that really heralded what's become you know this this um vision of the Amazonian arts but at that point I'd been reading Clarissa Pinkola Estes book Women Who Run With The Wolves and I've been thinking about a particular story in there, um, Bluebeard. I don't know if you've read much of her work or, mm -hmm. but that story yeah. is. Um, yes, I know the story. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. I had a, I just had a profound awakening around that story about, it was like, you know, the, the veil being lifted at that point for me. It was, I just couldn't, 
yeah, it, it all happened in a couple of seconds. And I wouldn't say it was like um, learning something new. It was just literally like the veil being lifted and seeing something about myself that I'd forgotten and, you know, like like realising, you know, for, for a metaphor that you're a fish in a fishbowl and um, you suddenly see the water for the first time. Yeah, it was it was that level of profundity and quite shocking and I think that that was really around that whole shocking revelation that that I really didn't know what it meant to be a woman yeah and I guess you know the suppression of general yeah sorry yes absolutely yeah uh do you felt like as a child that you had like in retrospect now that you had a sense of perhaps knowing and that you had to just put this back together when you started getting guided I guess into the into this yeah like I honestly feel that um that's the only way we can remember things is because we actually kind of already know them and when I say that you know I'm, I'm coming from a perspective of past lives of us all carrying this um these ancient lineages within us and you know, it's just in that story, actually, because I just recently went to another retelling of that Bluebeard, an older version of the Bluebeard story called Fitch's Bird. And in that story, um, the sister is wanting to put, she's she's in this room of dismembered women. So it's a pretty dark and horrific story. and But she can only actually put back together the women who she knew. So her sister, she couldn't actually put back together the women who she doesn't, didn't know. And that was really interesting to explore that that word remember as a as a real um opposite or antonym to dismember and her ability to put them back together from um previous knowledge of of who they were so i I see that as kind of yeah we in order to bring something through you you at some point in your journey or maybe you're tapping into the akashic records or but you're tapping into something already mm. known and and remember bringing it back through yeah mm, beautiful i'd be really intrigued about yeah, the so. old bluebeard story too that sounds really interesting yeah it's really powerful because it's such a patriarchal um story like this you know this man this dark kind of very powerful man is um well in the bluebeard story he desires himself a wife but he doesn't um he wants her to be not only under his control but basically an internalized he wants his control to almost be internalized by her so that she's self surveillancing so she doesn't she will just do what he says regardless of whether he's there or not out of fear and yeah, because she um, is curious and opens this door that, you know, he's given her all these all these wealth and all this, you know, access to all his his palace and all the rooms, but he says, do not go in this, um, yeah, in this, in this one little tiny room. Everything else is yours, you know, and he leaves the castle and lets her explore and he's obviously waiting <laughs> for the woman who's going to do that and then he's going to marry her and he'll... He'll have this woman who not only does he have control over if he wants, but he he's internalised for her a sense of control, a sense of fear that she's self-regulating that, you know, or self-surveillancing. So, yeah, she this this these um there's three sisters, and both the, the older two sisters go straight into the room, and yeah, and um 
he you know the, the consequences that he kills them and dismembers them it's this, this true horror story and yeah the third sister um works out what's going on and actually uh, turns turns it around and plays the game. Like one of the things we spoke about when we were looking at this story the other week was how you can't, when, when there's a real um, imbalance of power, you can't actually, uh, you know, t- face that power head on. You know, if you're the person without the power and you're facing some sort of really um, strong imbalance of power, you actually have to use some cunning and some wit and think about, the way in which you can can get out of you know that circumstance especially you know this is kind of relating to domestic violence situations in this story so yeah it, it was really good to explore some of those themes and how this um the youngest of the sisters actually outwits um bluebeard and yeah and um and goes and and gets back to her relations and is able to bring her community to to and in the fairy tale, he's destroyed. So it's destroying this part of ourselves that, um, that you know, you could also look at it as, as transforming or transcending this part of ourselves that can be, yeah, very deep, dark shadow aspects of the psyche. So, yeah, it's, it's a really powerful story. There's so much to explore in it. And I think in these times we live in with all this surveillance and um what's happening out in the world right now a lot of you know the structures of the patriarchy are very um yeah they're very in our faces and trying to understand ways in which we can bring about healthful wholesome changes in the world without confronting that power head-on because that um doesn't work (laughs) yeah Oof, it's so uh, just yeah that's just so big like just even hearing that little snippet has just really activated me <laughs> into like there's a, there's a lot in that story actually you know it's a, a long story yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it's a, and again um, like it's such a great process isn't it the medicine of just pulling apart almost like dismembering a story to put back together again and in in that metaphor a metaphoric sense you know it's absolutely yeah, I just feel very activated already of just hearing that and excited. Yeah, they're, they're really <laughs> powerful. Like, yeah, I find this. Yeah, the stories are so powerful to hear like that, especially when you've got somebody who really understands what the bones are actually speaking to and can help listeners kind of tease it out for themselves. And in that particular process with this storyteller a week or so ago, we did some, you know, just free writing for 15 minutes after that without stopping so you're not analyzing you're really dropping into your right hemisphere of your brain your lunar consciousness so that you can just allow to come up what's you know what what wants to speak to you personally what it's activated in you personally as it relates to that story and doing some really deep imagery work so what images come up for you in relation to this story once we've teased out some of the deeper themes so yeah, it was really beautiful because obviously there's, you know, it's a really important thing to have safe spaces for people, women. This was a women's circle particularly, but to speak to some of those really, really hard places that some women have experienced or have friends who are going through with domestic violence or, yeah, sexual um, violence in any way. Yeah. Mm, and is this what? Uh, the Amazonian Arts do as a collective to offer this or is this through someone else where you do this story work? 
This one was me going to our one of our local storytellers on it. We had an arts week up in Dorigo where I'm living and so that was one of the offerings and I was like, that is mine. <laughs> so I just went along to that one. But yeah. we in, in the Amazonian arts, one of the um, – so basically we were working with an archetype of the warrior and, you know, uh, what came through really strongly when I received that was – I mean, the warrior is very much about an archetype that I feel is for these times and that was why I feel that that archetype came through because of the, you know, we live in times of of great crisis and it's obviously also with great crisis comes great opportunity. But, yeah, it's it's a time where there's a lot of suffering and I think the archetype of the warrior is that kind of fierce um, archetype that is necessary to bring change and we know that, the the structures in place do need to change because they, yeah, we need to move towards more life-sustaining, wholesome, healthy relationship with ourselves and all our relations again. And, yeah, that's that's what the Amazonian arts is, um, is kind of her prime directive, I feel, to to be a part of creating a new story, like a new alternative to some of these patriarchal stories that are in place right now and... Yeah, there, there's um, what I did know when that archetype came through was that not one warrior is going to fit all sizes or all or, or women. You know, it was really clear that um, that archetype would need to be, un, you know, present itself in different ways for how different women feel about how they can bring that quality through in their lives. And yeah, so we have these um, thirteen different archetypes based on the on the zodiac. Yeah. Do you want to go into that now? Because <laughs> I'm really curious about <laughs> like, that. Great. <laughs> and then yeah, also we get back to the school and the journey. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, great. So this is such a circular, it's a very lunar consciousness way of um, reading. I'm actually reading a book <laughs> called Womb Awakening right now, which Ishwari, one of the um, teachers of the school, recommended it. And, and, yeah, they very much talk about either solar consciousness, you know, getting to the point of things, or lunar consciousness, which is a way of, speaking in the you know way where you're just following different threads and allowing it to come through as it um yeah as it presents so jumping back to the zodiac then um yeah when I went (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it does actually and you know I think a lot of things we follow we are definitely in balance that way in our culture around valuing the left brain you know the the analytical rational masculine side of the brain way of interpreting reality and understanding our our daily life is really put through that lens much more than half like <laughs> people are you know are saying what is the evidence for that and it's it's um we've moved a, a long way away from all the gifts and value that the right side of our brains the feminine artistic creative storytelling side brings to us and that's incredibly rich and it's not to say that the left brain side isn't rich as well but it's totally out of balance and I think we've um to actually kind of do things with lunar consciousness is quite healing I think for for the feminine you know not to just have dot points and rationally kind of move through things um yeah it's it's um it's really quite a healing format to present in even though it can be a little bit yeah harder to follow maybe but it's like just letting that story wash over you and take out like hopefully taking out of this podcast for people what what it is that most speaks to them. Yeah, so um the 13 archetypes, so they're basically most <laughs> yeah. 
Most people will be really familiar with 12 um, zodiac signs. And I think, you know, this came through, I don't have a, I didn't have a really strong background in astrology before I did the the course with the school, but, you know, we really did, um, I'm assuming they still do this, but we, you know, had our, we were encouraged to go and get our a reading around our moon placement in our natal chart, which I did. We didn't have to do that, but that was a really beautiful calling for me and I went and did that. Um, and I also, yeah, we also received, you know, our Lilith placements, three Lilith placements on our astrology and that really deeply spoke to me as well. So when I was um, sitting with this fact for myself that this archetype was going to need to come through in different um different facets of that diamond if you want to imagine the diamond of the warrior archetype that really came through as being needed in these times but all these different facets or faces and you could imagine 13 different faces that number came through really strongly so I had it in in the first instance I had this really strong um seemingly unresolved feeling of it's going to be about it's going to be astrology but it's going to be 13 archetypes and and I had no idea that there might have even been a 13th archetype at that, a 13th astrology sign or zodiac sign at that point. So I was sitting with what I felt was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's going to just going to be a wild card, this 13th. But it was definitely came through as um, 13 archetypes and not 12. And, you know, the more I looked into that, the more it was clear why 13 was so important. I mean, it's such a sacred feminine number. It's you know, we have 13 moons in a year. We have 13 is, is probably the average. I don't know that from my um, evidence-based research, but it was my age for my men arc. And I think a lot of girls begin their journey into womanhood at that point around 13. Um, yeah, there's so many like reasons why 13. And also it's been quite considered an unlucky number by the patriarchy and further separating women from and men, but from claiming the magic of... Um, what 13 brings through with it yeah so that came through very strongly 13 and then I found out that there is a 13th um astrology sign and and it's called a fucus so that was a pretty exciting discovery <laughs> hmm yeah can you just give us a little snippet of that history because from what I've heard it got like kind of shut down around the Georgian calendar times or something like that but maybe that's all wrong so I heard it got pretty much hidden and then it's been rediscovered again so could you could you give yeah, me a bit so, more info so on the, that one so, yeah <laughs> I'll try I mean <laughs> I'll give you what I do know that um the zodiac is is basically the path of the apparent sun through the constellations. So there's a lot more than twelve constellations in our night sky, but that is, um, you know, a really special belt or band that um, the sun passes through, according to our perspective in it, from Earth. And and those um, zodiac signs were also in ancient times or matriarchal times called like the houses of the moon, and they had this. Yeah, such a powerful significance in people's lives. And this 13th sign, um, as far as I have uh, found out, is that it was very much, um, yeah, it was used, I mean, from what I can find out, it was used in matriarchal times. But as you were saying, uh, as soon as we moved into patriarchal and we're trying to make things much more solar consciousness, as in everything's fitting into calendars, because we used to have 
the 13, you know, like a lunar calendar running alongside a solar can- calendar. So you'd have like a, a yearly solar calendar running alongside this lunar monthly calendar. And that just um, basically through the, the patriarchy disappeared <laughs> or got superseded by just, you know, really focusing on the solar and really diminishing the lunar because it wasn't you know, it, it was uneven or it didn't fit or, you know, and they were never meant to fit into each other that way. They were meant to be dance, you know, next to each other as these beautiful expressions of the feminine and masculine. So I think that's very much what happened to Fucus as well. She just, 13 was again, you know, considered an unlucky, became, came to be considered an unlucky number because it really represents the feminine. It doesn't fit. And the irony though of this is that, um, you know, Fucus has actually been spending more and more time in the sun. And I think that's so interesting that, you know, everything keeps changing out there. Obviously the constellations, you know, keep, are always, we're always moving in relationship to each other. And Fucus has started to, yeah, have more time in the sun. And to me, that really heralds that she will be seen. (laughs) She will be seen. And yeah, Demetra George was talking about, um, a group of constellations that she believes, you know, this is another way of talking to this point of transition that's happening in the world right now. Um, And she talks to it about as a a shift in world ages and that the the group of constellations that are ushering us through this um, shift are right where a fucus sits. You know, it's it's, um, her mythology is around the snake handler and it's the serpent, you know, there's two of these um, serpents, a fucus being one of them, but also um, the other one is Hydra, I think, a sea serpent that runs along Scorpio, Virgo, Libra and a fucus. And that is where Demetra George sees, you know, a really big shift of the consciousness on the planet happening. So it's a really, there's been some really amazing things happen with this project, Ayla, and I think a lot of the time, my feeling of how it's come through is that I'm remembering I'm, I'm it's like it's going backwards in some ways like I something comes through and then all the information backing that up kind of starts presenting in my life in different ways but it's like it's a feminine way of bringing it through because I have to really deeply trust the information I'm being given and then I get you know people going oh yeah or they send me a book where it's written or you know the, I'm getting it in reverse and that's been a really profoundly unusual and interesting and beautiful way of of working um, with a lot of trust. You are listening to the School of Shamanic Womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. Love it. I just feel really curious about all of this too. I did, when you said 13 and about, you know, generally – um, the men arc at age 13, I was like, oh, never even thought of that, like with that number. Like that was just a whole nother tangent yeah, and I yeah. kind of went off in my head too. Oh, there's, so, there's actually a whole list of them and I'm like, oh, I can't recall them all right now, but even like Mary Magdalene potentially being the 13th apostle, there's, there's so many things 
13, the Grandmother's Council of 13. There's a lot of rich heritage around this number that I only have been researching and looking into more and receiving more about since I, again, trusted. I just went, okay, I've received 13. I don't know how this is going to work, but um, that's the number we're using. Yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. This, yeah. Wow. Just even in, like you said about the illumination of this sign and how it's just coming into consciousness now and yeah, really interesting. So yeah, it's beautiful that that's coming through your work and through your collective and yeah, really just deep respect to what's been gifted to you from that. Yeah, th- thank you. I mean, I feel in awe of um, of this way of, of working, you know, just in and it's very much a gift from the school to work this way, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me really bring that gift through of just being able to deeply listen and receive rather than, um, I guess, try and research it and come from a real evidence-based perspective, that lunar way of just being that empty vessel, that cup, you know, that chalice that we are as the feminine and listening and receiving what um, what I already know but, you know, it's just these layers that have been kept me veiled from that that knowledge. I mean, this is really, if I had to sum up what it all really feels like, I would say it's like trying to wake up, you know, really feeling that um, I'm waking up every day a little bit more to something I already knew but, um, yeah, have long, long ago forgotten. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, even just the, the Bluebeard story too, that, you know, that remembering and that deep trust of um, her having to be clever about it in a sense um, of what she was doing for that disimbalance of power and, yeah, there's just so much into that. <laughs> yeah, you go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a slight time delay. Um, Yeah, just a really powerful discussion around that because I think, in our culture, you know, we've been told that we have to, you know, um, follow the rules. You know, you have to follow the rules. And very much the Bluebeard story says to us, you, you, the rules don't um, apply when there's actually, un, you know, a deep imbalance of power underneath it. They, you know, you just have to, I have this um, saying that my husband and I really love, which is rules are for the guidance of the wise and obedience of fools and you know not to be derogatory to anyone but just to say that don't you know think that the rules have been set in stone by nature because they're not nature's rules they're the patriarchy's rules and um, sometimes rules need to be broken in order to bring about you know a, a healthier outcome and it's it's this wisdom being able to cultivate this wisdom so that we can know when that's appropriate you know it's appropriate to break that rule in order to um yeah, bring about a better better justice or a better outcome for somebody or yourself or and that kind of situation in domestic violence is definitely one of them. Mm, yeah, definitely. So how with your uh your pain that you were getting with your menstruation, did that shift mm-hmm. at all when you mm-hmm. started really drawing that in and yeah, look, um, it's a, such an interesting story for me with this because I actually had, um, I've got a, a blood condition is my genetic heritage, so it's really interesting. It's on another level for me. I think about it as as 
you know, I was destined to come in with this story and I feel like I'm healing my blood lineage through this work, not just for myself, obviously, but for my, all my relations, particularly that red thread. Um, and, yeah, I, I had quite a few different health problems in some ways. Um, I always thought of myself in that half full kind of cup way and I'd be like, oh, I'm strong and, and um, I could do a lot of things and people would probably say I looked like I was really healthy. But on as I investigated my health more through the Shiatsu um, college years and onwards, I came to really understand that, you know, I had a really positive outlook, which was great, but actually I wasn't, I was pretty unwell. Um, yeah, I had a lot of things that I needed to work on. And during the course of that or the years since the Shiatsu, my my years through doing the shiatsu I've actually yeah healed so many things like I had eczema I had lots of things in my body that I've I feel stronger now I'm I'm 40 this year um I feel stronger now in my starting into my 40s than I did in my 20s and earlier so that's a really interesting thing to reflect on but in regards to my cycle I've actually um yeah I, I have to humbly admit that I haven't actually found the answers for that yet and to be honest like it's actually made me a better practitioner and I think that if I had have found um you know an, a, a, an answer and healed that by now it's quite possible I also would have an arrogance that would go with that and sometimes um I think I've I've seen practitioners who can who might have healed something in, in themselves and they'll be like, well, you can do it too because I've done it, which is a beautiful, don't get me wrong, that's a beautiful <laughs> positive message to put out there. But I also think it can be really hard for people who actually do a lot of work and they just can't shift some pattern that is happening in their body or they haven't been able to do it yet. And, um, yeah, sometimes medication is appropriate or sometimes you know I, I love actually Susan Weed's got a beautiful um way of working that I really love I don't know if you you were introduced to her but when we went through the school Jane had some connection with her she's an old school herbalist in America um I don't know if she'd be in her 70s or 80s now but um she we started doing the herbal infusions as part of our self-care work at the school did you were you involved in that at all uh, yes, we had some parts on that, but yeah, I remember, yeah, like I'm into the herbal infusion, so definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Like I love them. I'm doing, I do a lot of the nettle infusions cause it builds blood and, but anyway, she has a beautiful, um, way of working in which you basically, her first protocol in terms of a health imbalance or, you know, something you're wanting to address in your wellbeing is do nothing. And I so love that. I think that's such a great place to start I mean when she says do nothing it's also kind of collect information and be open to just listening and then from there she basically moves progressively up this this line where the second um the second step is maybe you know the least um interventional thing you could do which is I think it's homeopathics and then moving up again you know food and nourishment and and then body work and, you know, all these different step by step, you're moving up this scale of more, a bit more intervention each time or a bit more, um, you're doing something a little bit more, yeah, a bit stronger to the body in terms of helping to bring about a balance. And then, yeah, number five, I think is um, nothing's worked. You get to number five is like drugs. <laughs> and then number six is surgery, you know, like break and enter, she says, you know, so 
I really value that scale because I think, um, you know, for some people and at some points in our lives, we actually might be in five and six and, and um, yeah, to have the humility to be able to honour somebody who's who's hit that point because, yeah, they may not have tried everything that you other people can think of for them to try. But, uh, yeah, I just um, I, I really value that um, having gone through this process where I've tried so many things, Ayla, and um, done a lot of functional medicine and women's work and drum journeying and, yeah, and um, still haven't gotten to what I would say is a healed physical expression of it. But I would say that I do feel like I have changed a lot of the patterning that um, energetically contributes to that. So I feel like, you know, I haven't actually chosen to have children this life, but if I had have had children or the children that I do um, connect with and journey with that I'm not passing on, you know, this this baggage the weight of baggage on this particular area that was passed on to me Mm. oh just you know hearing that again and how you've just described your journey and your journey now uh yeah just what came to me was um yeah you're right like that sometimes you can if you go into something maybe quite targeted or blinkered um, or, you know, being told that this is the only way because I this person healed it this way and this is your journey too, then, it, yeah, that, it, you know, you could have a, that outcome and heal that part or you could not and then you could be really just focused on that one thing and then probably missing out on everything else that's coming up in that story, which, again, like I don't know why but I keep going back to this whole Bluebeard dismembering thing. <laughs> it's like... Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, if, if you just blink it into the one approach, like maybe that's kind of what allopathic medicine always tends to, not always, but yeah, like more hol- holistic way of looking at these things um, with anything, um, you've got a chance to really sit with the journey and see what else is coming out of that. Uh, and that just reminded me of that yeah, blue beard again, like the dismembering to put it back together again and see what, yeah. Yeah, and I, I honestly feel, Ali, that, um, sorry, Ayla, that there will be, um, that there's more medicine ahead for me through the work that I'm doing with the Amazonian arts as much as it is a gift for, I feel in my being and, and from what I've received about it, that it is a gift for other women who choose to journey it and we're our, we are actually opening it up. It feels like it's moving in a direction, opening up to men and boys and girls as well. So it's a huge vision. But as much as it is a, a gift, I hope, in the what's coming through for other people, I, it's it's also very selfishly a, a very big personal journey of um, healing for myself because I just know that the more I've immersed myself in, the, in this work, the more another layer comes off my own ability to see and I believe that is ultimately taking me into that place of healing that very severe, what I would call a very severe imbalance in my personal lineage. But um, I, I guess I've what has come for me is that I've gotten to a place in myself where I'm no longer wholly attached to that um, shifting on a physical level. Like I think I've loosened my um grip on that being an outcome you know as much as yes I would really like that um I feel like I've gotten to a place where it's okay like that it's still there because it still has something to show me you know I still 
there's still something for me to learn about what that is is wanting to share with me and the truth is that it's actually been and sometimes I find it hard to hear myself say this but because of all the pain I've been through but it's it's actually been probably the biggest gift in my life and that makes me feel really emotional because I just feel I wouldn't have been on this track um, that I'm on and I wouldn't be offering this back to my community if I hadn't have been you know so called by that banshee scream into my womb and you know that's that's the reason why why I'm doing this work not because it's comfortable not because um yeah because I think it's pretty and I'm putting something out there that people might like I'm really coming from a place of this is actually quite um hard work you know you're facing stuff within yourself it's it's a lot there's been a lot of challenges putting the amazonian arts together in the sense that it's calling us to look at our shadow side. You know, we have this process we invite women to go through of having an Amazonian astrology reading and it's not so that they, it's just, it's so that you don't just choose the archetype you feel most aligned with, you actually like the most and feel most resonance with, even though that is beautiful and has medicine for you. But in terms of the deepest aspects of this work with the Amazonian arts, it's about having the, the um, courage to get, go and do this reading process where you're looking at your natal chart, you're looking at what's written in the stars for you, putting this particular lens of seeing it through the fierce feminine and and just being open to the warrioress who steps forward for you. And that can be a really uncomfortable process because, like, for me, I totally wouldn't have chosen the archetype I'm working with. It's all about leadership and um, being seen and that brings up a lot of discomfort and fear for me um, because of part of my story that I haven't shared yet. But that has that's what this work is ultimately about. It's about facing our shadows um, sides and having the courage to to step up and change, you know, be the change we want to see in the world because as within, you know, we know this as within, so without, you know, what, what we're doing inside is actually reflecting on the outside. And clearly looking at the world right now, we've we've all got a lot of, inner work to do to bring about these shifts that we are yeah I believe being tasked with in order to create what we're capable of which is healthy wholesome sustainable relationship you know sacred relationship with our with the earth and all her inhabitants you know like Jane would say living living the magical life you know if we're going to choose that we really need to do our inner work um, work through everything that stands between us and the realization of that Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I fully hear you and just sitting with all of that. Um, yeah, definitely. And so I guess if we can go <laughs> to the first question, which I used <laughs> now that we're like well into, we're, we've gone there. Um, so I'm really enjoying this lunar consciousness podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the school now. <laughs> Right. So yeah, I like this. This is, this is circling around. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, like yeah, I totally, um, <laughs> I totally had all this resistance to doing it, and that comes up. That came up for me, and still comes up for me now in different ways. But that is totally connected in with my wounding with the feminine. Is that um, yeah, a lot of I don't feel I didn't feel, and I'm starting to move through that but there's still it still comes up for me that not feeling safe in women's circles and 
or doing things just with women, you know, especially through Aikido, um, which was my main thing that I did um, in my, from 18 onwards with, with groups, it was mainly men, you know, and I felt really comfortable with those, with working with men, but working with women was like totally out of my comfort zone. (laughs) And it's only, as I said, through that banshee scream of my womb that I'm like, oh, but this is exactly the work I know that I'm here to do this life, you know. And, um, yeah, when I came, when I stepped into the school, I, w- I was like, I'm, I'm just going to keep following this work. It's really uncomfortable for me and really hard, but it's full of gold and I know this is actually what I'm meant to be doing. So I certainly wasn't one of those women rushing in going, oh, this is like, you know, I am so can't wait to get back and I love being with the women and I just feel so held and healed and heard and, and all those things, which I know those spaces offer but there was again veils in the way of me fully and still is and still are to be honest like um fully reaping the riches of those spaces together I'm still healing things around that so when Jane I heard there was going to be 60 I think we were the first year in 2017 that was my um year with with 60 women um I was like oh my god that's a lot of that's a big (laughs) circle like I'd only (laughs) I think there are about 15 apprentices, but still, you know, that's 45 women journeying and um, I did have a moment of going, this is not exactly what I thought I was signing up for. I was thinking like a small, intimate (laughs) group. Um, yeah, so I, I had a sister who, who was doing it with me. So we had, it was beautiful because we lived a few hours, quite a few hours away and we would, we would journey, we would drive up together and back and we'd have debrief. And that was really special, a really special part of the process for me. But, um, yeah, I think what, what I, having done a little bit of circle work and facilitated small groups and things before, before coming to James, I thought, wow, actually, you know what, this is going to be an amazing opportunity to see how someone facilitates a women's circle of that size. I actually became quite um, interested in that question and that was a really beautiful part of what I received from the circle as well, like watching. I was very interested in that deeper listening to how the apprentices and Jane were managing that space because I wouldn't have known it at the time but I guess, you know, I've also been started to move and it's part of working with this archetype of the leader the leo warrior queen is actually working with leadership and i've been involved in doing things around that now um more so than i had at the time so it was actually a question obviously i needed i was wanting to ask myself and know um yeah how to do that (laughs) and i must say i have great appreciation and yeah um i was very so grateful to to watch her in action and the apprentices because I think they do that was amazing very incredible to to facilitate that kind of size I mean I don't know was that the numbers you what numbers did you have in your your year Ayla uh so I did the eight seasons journey and that was with Tallulah and we had 15 I think yeah but I do remember um now I would look at it differently but I remember at the time going I could never do that with 60 people like resistance 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 but you know um I I wonder if now is it do you find it similar to your womb journey that that humbling or that you know that showing up to something that is like the deepest medicine that's calling (laughs) you mean by turning up to by actually saying yes to going to that group 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it does come up and this is actually really good to talk about for people that are considering journeying. Like how was that with you? Because, you know, for me I was like no way. But if I, if I knew what I knew what I knew now, <laughs> it would be like <laughs> no, there's something there for me in that. <laughs> um having Mm, done the work absolutely yeah how like how was that for you yeah well I think at the time I mean one of my I think strengths that I have fostered over the years was this courage you know courage to actually step towards that even though a lot of me was saying no um (laughs) I was able to you know I guess it's that whole shamanic practice which women may not have yet um access to having not done it if you were speaking to those women but but listening, you know, listening deeper, like listening underneath the fear, I would say, like listening underneath all those concerns and just sitting still and listening to whether you get a yes or a no and not needing evidence for <laughs> that you can consciously connect to for why, but just trusting if you're called to to actually step towards that because I definitely had that, you know, I definitely had this is actually there's a reason why this particular year has like it's opened up for me to do it um why my sister who was you know a sister who was living nearby was keen to do it with me and that would have really helped with just logistics and things of driving and and things and um yeah I was I think it was profound to see how the intimacy didn't change you know like that I kind of expected 60 people meant you know you just wouldn't get to know people in the same way or um the the depth that you could go to would be really watered down by the fact you had to move through you know have so many people there and yeah what I experienced was that wasn't actually true because you know we did break off into those little groups where you did have that intimacy in the small circles when we're working through um particular you know particular areas of, of the of what was presented that year and um, we so we definitely had that intimacy and then we had this amazing, you know, cauldron of, you know, when, when we say um, circle as shaman, I mean, this was one hell of a circle. I mean, you should hear us drumming. We were just like, it was pretty incredible to, to have that many women creating a container and I would say that that is one of the big gifts of, of having a group that size is that you, you realise you know, you're not alone and this isn't just a small, um, really niche thing that you're doing and that is no one else out there is you can kind of trick yourself into that when you're doing really small women's circles. I think that maybe there's not a, a lot of other women doing this, but when you come together in those numbers, it's like, wow, you know, it, I saw some pretty incredible transformations happen in that space. And I think there is, um, the power is amplified with more women. That's, yeah, that's, I think that is, um, there's a truth to that. As much as I know you can create really powerful experiences with smaller groups, I just think there's a natural amplification that happens with numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And really just speaking to the teachers and I'd say Jane, you know, I witnessed her do a moon song workshop um, and pregnancy workshop like the one day last year in those numbers I think it was up to nearly 70 or something and I was just in awe at the way that you know at the beginning the the intent was held and there and then just seeing that difference like you said that amplification of everyone there with that same intent and that presence like they've been called we've all been called into presence and and then once you realize 
when you're there for the inner work and then being able to consciously co-create that now I'm like wow that that to- that works <laughs> you know um it, it was really yeah. beautiful to witness yeah yeah it gave it gave me a sense of um I think what it gave me that was really a gift of that size space circle was that it was almost like what it would have been like Ayla like you know back in the day of the matriarchy's times or matrifocal societies where you were coming together in those numbers to do this kind of work. This was our little, you know, our little um, community. And that just kind of, I think, actually accessed some memories for me, you know, life, long life ago memories of, of those times, you know, actually opened up some things that may not have opened up in the same way as being in a smaller group. So that was really yeah, and I think they were they were all unexpected gifts. I I had actually thought this could really go sideways or pear shaped, you know, with that many people. Um, yeah, so it was really special. And I just so one of the things you that came up then when you were speaking about Jane and and some of her other workshops was something I did want to share around the name Amazonian Arts because that's a specific kind of name and what does it speak to? I actually was kind of you know, had a bit of the bones of this work before I met Jane, but what happened with the school, part of what happened was I also got kind of gifted that name in a in a lunar consciousness kind of way, Ayla, which was that um, apparently <laughs> why we were on Vision Quest for um, our year level in two, 2017 at um, Mount Seaview, some of the, well, the apprentices and Jane back at base camp had a really powerful experience of many things I believe like they were sharing with us but one of them was about the potential for maybe up ahead somewhere that the school would run a second year and that there would be streams where women could you know specialize in a particular area such as like womb to tomb doula training or something like this and I didn't find out about this until later but when I was at I think it was um her workshop um autumn woman harvest queen and this came this came up about what had happened on our vision quest and and Jane was telling us about the different streams and she said one of those streams was called the Amazonian Arts. And at the end of that, when she's something just, again, you know, just those moments in our lives where something deeply spoke to me about that name and in a break I went up to Jane and I was just like, well, Jane, that, that you know, the Amazonian Arts, what is, you know, what is that? You know, can you tell me more about it? I'm Something has spoken to me about it. And I just have this such a profound memory of her you know how Jane does just looks you straight in the eye and was like yeah what is it like you know just like what is the Amazonian arts you know it was just like and I was like oh that was so not the answer I was expecting you to to give me Jane or um because at that point I was like I'm gonna get involved with these other women doing this thing and and at that point I just felt like she just turned around and said yeah go and go and find out what that is will you I haven't worked it out yet (laughs) Um, yeah, and so from that point I, I kind of went away and went, oh, God, that's just I don't know what to do with that yet and just sat with it and open to it and understood that that name actually was going to encompass a lot of the work I'd had prior, you know, in doing the women's work and then bringing it through in this particular way, this new story, how it's come through now. And um, I presented that at the next, I think, Mer conference the following year just to say to Jane, you sure you want me to run with it? This is what I'm kind of getting coming through about these archetypes and using the astrology and and um, 
you know, potentially having groups where people can make a weapon or do weapons training, you know, with the Aikido background and definitely not with a sense of violence but with a sense of protection and um, and really using the weapons as metaphors in, in the sense of, you know, a sword can be cutting away things that no longer serve us and using them in that way. Or So definitely um, a really rich understanding of, of that kind of work other than, yeah, being violent with, with weapons because I know that brings up that for, for a lot of people but um, using them as metaphors a lot of the time yeah as well as doing training but Aikido has got a beautiful philosophy and that's really where I'm coming from with any training that I offer on a physical level which is very much about you know as as within so without in terms of your faith the, the biggest enemy the founder would always say is is yourself you know do the work inside and then you'll notice how conflict starts to the more conflict we resolve within ourselves the more that falls away in our outer world as well. You know, those the conflicts that are seemingly come to us in the outer world start to resolve as a, as a consequence. So that's really, yeah, how we approach that kind of work. Mm, and at the Mermaid Gathering, which is like the annual gathering of the people that have yeah. journeyed through the school, for those listening, um, you did, did everyone make their own like staffs or was that... What did you get the women to do? Well, the, the first year was me, like my husband and I made this video here of just like doing, you know, we've got, we have an archery target. We both do a bit of archery and we do some, we had some Aikido. We did some bit of bush skills because we live off grid in nature. And so we did put this video together. I kind of dressed up a bit like an Amazon. It was quite fun. And I presented that to the women on the first um, Mer conference and just got some feedback and had a bit of a laugh and all of those things. I think women really enjoyed me throwing my husband around there. A lot of people wanted to learn that. And um, <laughs> yes, then... <laughs> And the following year I went to the next Mer conference and we put it out there to run a, um, a, a physical kind of experience of what we call broomstick martial arts. So every the women were invited to bring their own broomstick and ideally with a detachable head, but not everyone had that, so it was very funny. But um yeah, it was a little bit <laughs> it was a little bit unfortunate that day, that gathering just because um, I couldn't find out before I went and nor did any of the organizers know because it was a new venue. Um, when I when I googled it and tried to find out where the venue was, it was on really steep ground and there was nowhere for us to really have um, a big circle like we had the the previous venue had had an amazing you know outdoor space, big circle possibilities and flat ground and everything and this was just this um tiny <laughs> super sloped like there was this it's kind of like a mountain goat area up the top where it it wrapped around the side of a hill and so we did it up there but I couldn't actually see everyone and everyone couldn't hear me so I had to kind of run up and down the line um sharing things and yeah it wasn't exactly what I I tried to ad lib it and, and make that work but it wasn't quite um what I had had in mind but it was a lot of fun I think people enjoyed some of the basics and just playing with their broomsticks and yeah we we had some fun yeah it looked really I've got some pictures so we can share that on the show notes it just looks so (laughs) super fun and super funny and like but really there's some kind of layer of potency about it like you could see they were into it (laughs) yeah 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 we had it was really into it and I just thought oh if we ever did it again, it'd be great to do it in a um, in a circle so that we could all see each other and and um, 
hear, hear everyone could hear me. <laughs> I must have run about three kilometers that day up and down that line. So I was pretty tired by, <laughs> by the end of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was so much fun. And we had some, we did this, there's an Aikido practice where you are stirring the firm. So we did some magical stuff as well as some, you know, actual physical Aikido techniques that are to be used for self-defense. But we also did some beautiful um movements of stirring the firmament so stirring the heavens with your broomstick and then you know really stirring things up and creating an intention and and it grew shared intention and then bringing that down and anchoring it into the earth so that was a really beautiful and making a shout like we call them a ki in aikido but that was um yeah lots of fun and it was yeah it was a there was a lot of laughter anyway as you say like it was it was a lot of fun it all went a bit pear-shaped but um yeah, i'm glad that yeah we all we all had a good time doing it. Beautiful. And so we, we've gone really deep into this and I would really love for you to share, like we've had a, a bit of an expression of the Amazonian arts, but perhaps you could just give us a little rundown too on, you know, what you do and what the collective does and um, the greater vision, I guess, for the group and, um, yeah. Yeah, thank you, because I also really love to share um, a few words from that 13th archetype, the medicine woman, Um, because essentially she is like this bridge to a new paradigm and you could say, you know, there's so many different ways of speaking to that. The deep ecology work speaks to it as the great turning. The astrologers speak to it as like a shift in world ages or the can be called the procession of the equinoxes. can speak to it in those terms. Um, yeah, but essentially she's speaking to this um, this paradigm shift and and the advent of a new story, and that's really what this work is about. It's about it's a shamanic way where we're harnessing the wisdom from the past, like the bones of the ancient ways that serve us in these times, and bringing bringing them through in their relevance to now as we weave something that's never been woven before together. Um, yeah, really, that's that's the essence of it. And at the moment, you know, COVID gave us gave me this opportunity because we'd started out with a group in Dorigo to start anchoring the having the clan mother, each clan mother, because of thirteen archetypes, we have a clan mother for each. Um, a woman who has felt that call to step up and basically anchor that lineage that has um, been received from the stars. Um, we would say, you know, like from the Akashic records, from the grandmothers of that archetype and. A clan mother is like that earthly anchor here and she's the one who feels that call to step up and um, and be the lineage keeper for that particular facet of the diamond, like I was speaking to earlier, that particular um, zodiac sign of, of the way we're working with the warrior archetypes. So, yeah, we, we started out this circle and we did the first one, just the priestess one, which is a really powerful circle, but um, because of COVID and there was 20 women, we couldn't um, continue on at that point. So... What I've been doing is creating an online um, journey that will be ultimately be a great thing anyway because it's going to be a resource for women who want to journey physically, gather in other areas, and they can access this resource then and come together and journey the work that way. It's a month monthly, you know, 13 moons journey. Well, that's what you can take as long as you like, but um, we've kind of created a month-by-month month, um, pathway that looks basically zooms in and out and focuses on a particular astrology sign a particular archetype a particular warrioress and 
but women can also get an astrology reading and just focus on theirs if they don't feel called to do the the whole 13 moons journey but for those women who do and want to dive into the deeper work that actually opens the door to a second year which we're starting to bring through um by journeying or going through that full year journey so that's a a process you know like with James that would um open an, an, a doorway that would otherwise not be there for you at this point and yeah we, we're actually we've got um 15 people on the the kind of the leadership team at the moment which is really really exciting I and mean, there's not a lot of money behind it yet but uh, you know being um but yeah it's, it's great but all these people have just felt really cool by the work so far and um we're, we're working out how to actually really structure it and bring it all through and create this sec bring this second year through and we've got clan leaders and um, vision weavers they're called in that group and that starting to include we've got a men in starting to step in we're still running a women's only circle at this point but we've got yeah vision for all coming together in the second year where men and women would come together and work as well um boys and girls so we've got a mother of the shield maidens so that's a woman who's going to be running the girls work a father of the shield masters who's a man running the boys work um the vision the mother of the vision, which is myself, and the father of the vision, who's um, running the men's work. So all that's starting to, yeah, come to fruition, and it's, um, yeah, pretty exciting to to see how much energy this vision has. Sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed at, at what it might mean if it keeps growing. <laughs> it's such a big baby, um, mm. but just trusting, you know, it's that whole process of going. This isn't about me. It's something much bigger than me trust that if it if it's meant to be birthing in the world at this point and it and it does gain momentum that people are feeling called to it that that is exactly what's meant to happen and just play the role that um yeah I feel called to mm. so do you want Beautiful. me to I can finish Thank you, with, yeah. um, <laughs> I was just gonna say I can finish with the medicine woman speaks if you like and um yeah or, or any other questions you have Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear that. And, yeah, just I'm on your website now, so it's amazonianarts13.com, but we'll put all that in the show notes. And, yeah, I just want to say a big kind of um, gratitude to doing also calling in the work for the boys and girls and also the sacred men as well. So, you know, thank you for expanding that in that sense and offering that to the, the sacred family I guess from all of that so yeah. yeah yeah well it was this whole vision it felt like it, it was going to never work just to be for the women and then you know we also come together um we've just started doing this I mean we had this um I might be an aspiring podcast dealer I don't know I'd like to do one for the <laughs> for the um Amazonian arts as well as something we've just kind of put on the table as something that might happen down the track a little bit and what we would do in those potentially is record those um, people who have felt called to step up into the greater levels of responsibility and and speak to some of the really difficult topics that I know are are really um, on the table for the school right now as well. You know, around the transgender um, topics, issues, and around cultural um, approbation, appropriation, and yeah, some of these areas that are there's so many different views on. But to just you know, as the school says, you know, like listen with the ears of our heart our, um, and really you know, hear all those different perspectives because I think magic happens when we're able to do that. Mm, yes, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, thank you too and great. 
good. I, I will be watching this space, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Ayla. So I'll finish with, um, yeah, it's, I've so appreciated this too, this time to share and, yeah, be a part of um, this amazing podcast series that I'm definitely going to be listening to some more as well now that I've remembered that they're here. <laughs> Before One more thing, before you go into story, because we'll end it there, and so big thank you and so much gratitude for um, coming on and I just really loved our lunar consciousness story weaving. (laughs) And so I would just love for you to just say one sentence to all the people that are considering um, journeying with the school and what sort of, you know, that may be sitting on the fence and like, "Mm, I don't know, what would you say to that? Mm, I would say that the the school opens a doorway into your deeper self and your deeper knowing and truly just drop beneath your levels of resistance to find, yeah, find what the answer is for you as if feeling called to this because it's incredibly powerful work and will transform your life in ways that you cannot foresee from your current vantage point. Thank you. And I'll leave it over to you now to just enter us all into story and as we wind up the podcast. So big thank you, Akalita. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ayla. So this was received, um, it's only, it doesn't go for that long, but it's a transmission that I received from Medicine Woman, who is the 13th um, of the Warriors, the 13th archetype. She says, I am born from the constellation of Fucus, who many of you will not know, for I am the 13th and I have long been cast out, rejected and denied. I am the poisoned one. Long ago when the sickness arose in humanity and the gods began warring and slaughtering the goddesses, I witnessed unspeakable horrors. When I could bear them no longer, I stood forward in her name and was persecuted, poisoned and left to perish. That day when I stood for the goddess, my primal parting scream was felt in the wombs of all women. And that day when I died, a part of you came with me. The part of me that belongs with you in the earthly realms has been in a long and lasting slumber for thousands of years for I had chosen to forget. But my serpents have stirred, and I have heard those of you who are also awakening call my name. As I feel into this ancient part of myself, I realise that over the millennia the wound has healed, and like all things that are fully healed from trauma, it has taken on a new and formidable strength. This strength has its roots in the ethereal realms, It does not begin as something dense and physical of your world. It is like a finely woven web, a weave of gossamer silks from the ether that is now entering your dimension from mine and inviting you to rest into its all-pervasive power as you consciously remember me, drawing me into your world once again. For I, as my good friend Black Unicorn says, am back. For more information on today's inner review with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com.
forward slash media forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.